All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, man, so that was just, this was not good timing because that song just kind of made me a little emotional. Ugh, battle on, soldier. Okay. Um, so we're, I'm going to change things up a little bit this morning. Okay. So, you know, we're kind of getting into this, I would call it a rut, a rut where we start off the sermon with a joke. Okay, and uh, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to start off the service or the sermon with a riddle. All right, so we're going to engage our minds here. Maybe that'll help. Okay, so here's the riddle. Uh, Think about this. What never quite achieves its goal, leaves the taste in your mouth of burnt charcoal? Is, is as uncomfortable as sque- squeezing a camel through a pinhole. And it can't help itself because of its lack of self-control. I'll give you a hint. It's somebody's jokes and their name rhymes with bull. Hey? Hey? So, uh... The answer's Joel, obviously. Come on, guys. I mean, I thought that would at least go better than one of his jokes. So maybe I should devote more of my sermon preparation time to the Bible than writing riddles. Okay. So uh, as you guys know, I'm up here, so that means we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we're in, in Matthew 13. Uh, the, the parables, where we've begun the... Jesus, where he transitions into uh, the parable kind of portion of his ministry. And we're specifically looking at the parables of the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is so important. The stuff we're going to talk about today is so important because the kingdom of God, the the more and more I study it, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I, I begin to realize that the kingdom of God is at the beginning, at the center, and at the end of pretty much everything. Uh, I, I think about the days before I was a Christian, and the, the thing that I was longing for, that I, that I, to fill my heart, that I wasn't really sure what it was, but you know, kept searching for, turns out that it was the kingdom of God. And then when I became a Christian, you know, I, I got a taste of this kingdom, and it was amazing. And now, moving forward in life, as I continue my life as a disciple, and in age and grow old, and I get to look forward to the full realization of the kingdom of God. And the thing about the kingdom of God is that it brings so much transformation. It's transforming. It's, it's a kingdom that's not of this world. It's different. And if our world obviously needs some major transformation, right? If you just turn on the news, just listen to the radio, just look around you. We're, we're in a time of, of, of pandemic. We're in a time of, of political instability. There's, no matter what system, no matter what system we use, right? So you got, you got capitalism, you got socialism, you got monarchy, you got all these systems that have been tried throughout history. They all fall short in some way or another, okay? And the the current system that that we're in, it's not perfect. It falls short. 
right? And the other thing, too, that we need is that we all need personal transformation. We need personal transformation. How many of you here want to stay the same from now until, you know, let's, let's 30 years from now? You want to be the same that you are today? Of course not. You want to, you want to grow. You want to, you want to have a transcendent life, a life that is powerful, a life that has influence, a life that advances the kingdom of God. So the world and ourselves, we're, we're in desperate need and want of transformation. And I believe a full understanding of what it means to be a disciple of the kingdom of God will lead to a transformed relationship with God, which will then lead to a transformed life, which will then transform our world. Okay, so we are going to go ahead and jump into the text for today. The title for today's sermon is Treasure and Pearl. So Matthew 13, 44, we're going to look at a couple of short parables about the kingdom from Jesus. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Mm, the kingdom is like this. So I'm going to just zoom out a little bit. Let's look at Matthew 13 as a whole when Jesus begins his parables. So you start off with the parable of the sower, right? And this, the farmer who is planting the seed is a representation of, of who? Who's the one who plants the seed and then... This, and then we're the soil, so who do you guys think that is? It's God, right? God. The main character is God. Okay, then you have the parable of the wheat and the weeds, and of, you have, once again, the planter who plants the good wheat, God, and then you have the planter who comes in and plants the bad wheat, that's Satan, okay? And then we have the mustard seed, right, which we talked about a few weeks ago. So who's the planter of the mustard seed, do you think? Who, who plants the kingdom? It's God. And then you have the parable of the leaven, the woman who puts the leaven into the dough, representation of God. And then we come to this parable, these two parables, and the, the parable immediately following this is the parable of the fishnet, in which, of course, God is the fisherman, and he catches the fish, and he separates the good from the bad. So when we read these, this parable, why do we automatically assume that the main character is us? Right? When you read that, don't you think, oh yeah, the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. I, I gotta find it. I gotta look for it. It's like a fine pearl. I need, to, I need to find it. I need to look for it. And I think those principles are, in fact, true. So if you thought that, that doesn't make you dumb or anything like that. Because we see these principles in Jesus' Jesus's teachings. He wants people to search and look and work and dig deep to understand his teachings in the kingdom. But I'm not so sure that's what Jesus is saying contextually here. I think he might be making a different point. And so, remember, Jesus is a teacher of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. 
So I think if we want to dig deeper into Jesus' teachings, we need to take a look there. And so I'm going to take us to a passage that I think Jesus is referring to in these parables, and I'll explain why as we read it. Ezekiel 16. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in clothes. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. For you were abhorred on the day you were born. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, Live! Yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, Live! I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you, so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet, and I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands, a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor, which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Okay. So, once again, we zoom out, we look at Matthew 13 as a whole. There's many elements of of all the parables that I see in this passage, and I especially want to look at Ezekiel 16, 7. So, you have a plant, right? Made you like a plant in the field. So you have a planter, right? So we start, start off with the sower planting and the wheat and the weeds planting. And then you have, you grew, you grew tall. This says, some translations say numerous, some say tall. You grew like the mustard tree. You grew. And of course, we're talking about a woman. We're talking about this, this woman that God finds in this field. And then we have, and you became a beautiful jewel. That's what the NLT puts in us. Okay, I just put a few translations up there because it uses the term fine ornaments, right? The one that I, the, the one that I kind of read the entire text from. And it's like, what, what does that mean? You, you, were, you, had, you came to the age of fine ornaments, okay? And what it, it's just this idea, right? I just put a few other translations so you can kind of see full adornment, 
All right, jewel. jewel. We see a lot of jewelry going on in this passage. And in the Hebrew, there really isn't a distinguishing word between, for, ex for example, like a pearl and a jewel. Okay? So basically, what this verse is saying is that you, you jeweled, you pearled, you became beautiful. That's what happened when God came and saved Israel made them beautiful. And you know, Jesus referred to Ezekiel 17 in the parable. Well, he quoted Ezekiel 17 in the parable of the mustard seed. And I believe in, in the following parable of the fishnet, he's alluding to Ezekiel 47. And that fits with Jesus. Jesus kind of has this pattern where he hits on a certain section of the Old Testament kind of back to back to back when he's teaching. He did this especially when he was talking about John the Baptist earlier in the Gospel of Matthew uh, from the book of Micah. Okay, so let's break down this passage a little bit. We see that, right, God finds Israel squirming about in their own blood. Right, their cord's not cut, They're, no one has cleaned them, no one has compassion on them, this is a bad situation. And I, I, the thing that we, need to, that we need to take to heart, that we need to look at here, is that the condition of Israel is the same as the condition of mankind, and is, this in, is the same condition of us. The, the foundation of the gospel is built on this premise, that we, as people, were lost. We, we need help. We need a Savior. It doesn't matter how powerful someone is, how wealthy someone is, how, sm how intelligent, how successful someone is. The truth is that, is that as human beings, we lack control. We don't, we, don't, we don't control the outcome of our life. We have influence, thanks be to God, we have influence very different from being able to control and manipulate the outcome of the universe. We don't have the answers to life's difficult questions. We, even with what's, you know, I've been doing tons of, of listening to podcasts, listening, listening to different things about, you know, what, what do we do? What do we do as a nation with what's going on right now? What do we do to move forward? Like, how do we solve this? And honestly, at, as of right now, no one can agree on basically anything. Like, very, like, talking Harvard professors, just, extraordinarily intelligent people. They really can't agree on anything. What's, what's the next step? We, we have so, this is us. This is where we come from. We would not have breath in our lungs, right? None of us, if the Lord did not say, live. And then we see in this passage, we see this a beautiful picture of God's compassion. His gentle care. His desiring good things. I mean, he clearly, for this, this woman who is the representation of Israel, he adorns her. He beautifies her. He, he gives her splendor so that her royalty, he desires good things. You know, I, I strongly resonate with, with God's well, honestly, with what God is, is speaking emotionally here towards Israel with, with my own daughter. 
Harlow, I remember the day that she was born. And it was, it, it was kind of, it was a stressful experience. There was like, there was minor complications and there was minor danger, okay, involved in terms of her life being at risk and Ian's son's life being at risk. And um, finally when she was born, uh, I remember that the doctors, uh, they, they had to pump her lungs. They had to get all, the, there was like this, this black muck, right? They're just, I just, they're pulling it out by like the vial. Uh, because it, it was it was her own it was her own feces that it was a stressful traumatic experience and where if where is it going to go well it goes into her mouth all right so it's so it's going to make it was I just remember in that moment I, I can't really describe it other than I never felt a stronger sensation of I would give anything I would do anything for you to live. So Jesus is saying, what Jesus is communicating about God and the kingdom is that as a, a primary aspect of this kingdom is that you are God's treasure. You are his prized possession. You are his fine pearl. And we know that God's already proven this to us. Right? This, so when people say, the postmodern world that we live in, where all truths are, are true to each individual, however, however they, they work that contradictory statement out, it's not true. All religions are not the same. I, every single religion on planet Earth, besides this one, besides Christianity, is all about how do we, how do we appease the gods. How do we, through some vigorous process of enlightenment, reach the heavens? That is not so with our God. Our God came down in the flesh and finished the work that needed to be accomplished. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how Will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's from Romans 8.32. Man, this is, well, this is how we know that God has good desires for us. Because he gave us his son. Like, how would he not? It's like when someone gives you the key to their house, right? If, if you're, you're house-sitting or something, you know, it's happened before. Or you're a good friend. Usually when you get that key, you don't think, ah, oh, geez, I wonder what they're trying to hold back from me. I wonder what they're trying to hide from me. No, it's the key to their house. They're saying, here, you have access to it all. And that's, we can just sometimes relate to God that way, even though he gave us his son. So, well, God, what are you trying to withhold from me? What are you trying to hide? No, he will surely give us all good things. So what does this matter? What does, it, what does it really matter that you are God's treasured possession? What difference does it make? We're going to answer that question. We're going to read just a little bit further. We're going to talk about that. Okay, so I'm actually going to skip a few verses here. Uh, the, let's see. 
Yep, that first section, I'm just going to skip that, okay, the 47. Study, look at Ezekiel 47 if you want some further study on that passage, okay? So Jesus ends his parables. Look at verse 51 there at the bottom. It says, have you understood all these things? He's talking to the disciples. They said to him, yeah. And Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his storehouse things new and old. Okay. So I got to be honest, reading this, I have no idea what that means. Someone is like, so if we understand, right? He says, every scribe who becomes a disciple of the kingdom is like a head of a household who brings out of their storehouse things new and old. What? Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. Are you speaking the same language as me, Jesus? And so, once again, whenever Jesus just gets real specific, or he talks like something like, like, people don't say that. So that doesn't, so Jesus isn't just unrelatable. What he's doing is he's, he's using certain imagery. He's, he's using, he's intentional. He's a teacher. He's very intentional with his words. And the only other place in the Bible, I love it, when there's only one other place in the Bible where you can find the language that Jesus uses. Because it means, I don't have to speculate about anything. Jesus is 100% bringing that imagery from that passage in the Bible into his teaching. So believe it or not, man, this will blow your mind. Jesus, he's talking about song of songs here. Song of songs. So let's take a look at that passage. Um, I belong to my beloved. So this is a wife speaking to her husband. He says, I belong, she says, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved. And so what we have here is a picture. If you've read Song of Songs, this is just a little tiny snapshot. If you've read Song of Songs, it's, it's really what it is, is it's this incredible, passionate, loving relationship between this, this husband and wife. And honestly, the relationship that they have is, to me, it's almost envy-provoking. Because the things that they're able to say, that they're willing to say, that they're willing to hear from their partner, the depth of communication and vulnerability that they're willing to have, is amazing. It's like, oh, I, I, I want that. I would, I would love to have some of that. But anyone who is a disciple of the kingdom is like this. Is like a head of a household who brings out of their storehouse both things new and old. So what Jesus is saying is, anyone who... who understands the kingdom, understands all these things that I'm talking about, these teachings of the kingdom, can have a relationship like this, like what's laid out in Song of Songs with me. You can have this fulfilling, amazing relationship with me. 
So the implication, the implication of that, guys, is that when we, the other side of this picture, the other side of the puzzle, when we understand that not only is it our responsibility to, to seek God, to seek the kingdom, to search for it as treasure, but that also we are God's treasured possession. It's then that we're able to understand what Jesus means when he says, you are no longer slaves. I call you my friends. We get to be God's friend. When, in Hebrews chapter 2, when Jesus says, I am not ashamed. Well, he doesn't say it. He's, it's being quoted. I'm no longer ashamed to call them brothers. We get to be in the family of God. We can, we're angels fear to tread. We can just waltz right in, into, into the throne room of God and say, what's up, pops? Because of the reality, the truth of the kingdom. So you can have fulfilling intimacy and connection in your life when you understand the kingdom. And I want to ask you guys this. How many of the world's poor decisions, and, and ask yourself personally, how many of your poor decisions are as a result of crying out for genuine connection? You know, and I want to speak to the men for a second here too. The men who, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't need that connection stuff. Ugh. You know, I can just, I don't need that. I can just work. I can just lift weights. I can just do all this stuff. You know, I don't, I don't need that. Why, why are half the men in our nation addicted to pornography? If, if you don't need connection. They're too tough for that. What are you using in your life to drown your need for connection? Right? How, what, what it's an ungodly percentage of men in our nation who are addicted to video games. It's just a drowning of the connection need. We need to be humble and realize that we do, as men, we actually do need and our soul is made for connection. You know, and, and what other addictions? You know, social media, just there's so many things we drown our need for connection. So assess what you do to drown that need and how you can replace that with genuine connection with God and his people. The other implication of this is that you are free to take risks. You're free to take risks because you're not just a servant. Your friend, all right? When I go and talk to my friend, hey, I got this idea. I, I talk with Grayson actually a lot about my ideas, our ideas, right? We're like, bro, what do you think about this idea? I'm, I'm going to try this, you know? I'm going to, it's like, yeah, dude, go for it. <laughs> it sounds awesome, <laughs> right? I don't come to Grayson like, hey, um, I know, like, I just, I'm not very talented, I'm not very skilled, and I mean, would it be okay with you if, if I tried this? I don't, I'll talk to Grayson like that. He's my friend. And he, has, he wants me to succeed in my wacky, wacky ideas, as do I for him. We, we relate to God sometimes, like the, like the former, like this timid servant. 
God's desire is so obvious from this passage to build you up and empower you to live a transcendent life. Of course God wants you to have the ability to advance the kingdom, to be fruitful and effective. I believe that, honestly, every disciple, the standard of discipleship laid out by Jesus' teachings is that if, if it means the advancement of the kingdom, we are to be willing to up and move and say goodbye to everything that we know and love at the drop of a hat for the advancement of the kingdom. That is the standard of discipleship. That's where we have to be and be willing to do. And honestly, guys, we have, we have churches in our own movement where there's 500 people, there's 300 people, there's 1,000 people. And the, the only way for the vision, the dream to come true, for, uh, for not only for churches to be planted all over the world, but even in the smaller, the medium-sized communities like here in Eau Claire, is we got to break these things up. And people got to be willing to move and go. Guys, this church here, Eau Claire, guys, we, we, we could plant, right? We've already been working on Duluth. We can go strengthen Duluth more. La Crosse, Menominee, Hudson. Why can't we do it? What's holding us back? We are free to take those risks because... Man, we got, we got the, the biggest, we got a safety net. And we have a God who wants us to succeed. Amen. Lastly, guys, there's something that the, uh, the wife says to the husband here. Actually, maybe, is it here? Anyways, she says, come away. Come, come, my beloved, let's go to the countryside. Let's get away. You can, you can get away with God. Take the time my, my most transformational experiences in, in, in my life have been when I have gotten away with God. And I said, we're, I'm just, we're going we're gonna to say no to the grind, we're going to say no to the busyness, and we're going to invest. I want to invest in this friendship. You're free to do that. And the, the results will be transforming. So I believe, guys, that a full understanding of what it means to be a disciple of the kingdom leads to a transformed relationship with God, a transformed life, and that's our only hope at a transformed world. That's it. Um, I'll go ahead and say a prayer for communion. Um, Heavenly Father, God, as we remember the cross and we meditate on, on who you are and who Jesus is to this day, God, the love that was poured out, the goodwill that you have towards your people, the desires that you have for them to have splendor and beauty that comes only from you, is amazing, God. And I just pray that we would take this time to, to be thankful, to rejoice, to remember, commemorate, and, and, and live our lives out of that space that we, that we enter in when we're in communion, God. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.